Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Monday, December 31st, and uh, the NFL regular season's over. It's also New Year's Eve tonight. I'm not sure what you're doing. Hope you have fun. I hope you're also safe. Be very smart. There are a lot of drunk drivers out. If you're listening to this before New Year's Eve, just please be smart tonight. Um, I want to start with college football. That's where my heart's at today. This weekend, we saw the two college football playoff games. We saw Clemson play Notre Dame and Alabama played Oklahoma. The winners advanced on to the national championship. And uh, surprise, surprise, we're getting Clemson and Alabama. <laughs> And uh, look, both games were, yikes, I don't know, they, they were not, here's how I would say it, two minutes into the second quarter, Alabama was beating Oklahoma 28 to nothing. By halftime, Bama was leading 31 to 10, and uh, now in the end, I, I give Oklahoma a little bit of credit, they put up a fight. Remember, Oklahoma's quarterback is in fact Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy winner. The final score was 45 to 34, but let's not pretend the game was some kind of highly competitive, crazy game. Alabama was clearly the better team. And, and don't forget, a lot of people are going to forget this as years go by. Alabama could have put up 50. Alabama kneeled at the end of the game and ran up the clock with the ball at first and goal. If they run the ball three times, they put up 50 points in Oklahoma. Let's not pretend it was some incredibly close game. Alabama was up 28 to nothing. I don't know. <laughs> Despite the mismatch, though, it was, it was interesting. There were some fun plays. But the Alabama-Oklahoma game lacked tension. But the Notre Dame-Clemson game was even worse. It was boring. Not fun. Look, Clemson led 23-3 at halftime. They won 30-3. Both college football playoff games were not that great. And yet, for whatever reason, this is the thing that everyone has told me since this weekend. People keep telling me the college football playoff needs to expand. We need eight teams. Guys, four is enough. Four teams in the college football playoff is plenty. It's already not great. Let's not make it worse. Let's not have worse mess matches. You realize in an eight-team college football playoff, Alabama would play the University of Central Florida, who, by the way, their starting quarterback, Mackenzie Milton's out for the season. They're playing a backup quarterback. Oh, and... Uh, yeah. You want number seven, Michigan, the same Michigan team that just got blown out by Florida, 41 to 15. You want number seven, Michigan to play Clemson. How in your mind is this making games better? You're mad about boring games, but the boring games aren't coming because of the system. The boring games are coming because Alabama and Clemson are so much better than everybody else. And if you make an eight team playoff, you're just prolonging the same outcome. In fact, you're making, you're, not only would you have, you'd have, You'd have three, you'd have two boring games. Alabama would play UCF. Clemson would play, who would they play? They would play Michigan. Two more boring games. Then another boring game, and then the national championship would be fun. Let's not prolong what's going to happen. And it's interesting, the four teams that were left out. So if we had an eight-team college football playoff, Central Florida would have gotten in, Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia. Well, remember, Georgia had their shot. Georgia played Alabama in the SEC championship game. It was awesome. It was a fun game. It was really great. But that was good for that moment. We don't need to rehash it. We already saw it. We saw it. It was fun. It was great at the time. 
but Alabama won. And why does Georgia deserve another shot? Why should they get another chance? I don't know. It irritates me, man. Everybody keeps complaining about boring games. You realize we trade playoff games for bowl games. Central Florida plays LSU later, I think on New Year's Day. That's a great bowl game. You want Central Florida to play an SEC team, go ahead. They're going to play LSU, and they haven't actually have a shot to beat LSU. LSU's quarterback kind of marginal. I like him, but he's not the best. Central Florida could beat LSU. That's fun. That's what I want. I want interesting. I don't want Central Florida, Alabama. Nobody wants to watch a massacre. Nobody likes watching the underdog get annihilated. It's not fun. Boise State's fun when they beat Oklahoma. Boise State, Alabama is just sad, and we go home crying because that's not fun at all. I don't know. Georgia plays Texas. That's interesting. And, and I think that the Rose Bowl is probably a mismatch. I think Ohio State could destroy Washington. But we'll find out. University of Washington, is they're not terrible. And Ohio State struggles weirdly at times. They lost to Purdue. Who knows? My point is this. We need to stop, stop complaining about the system. People complain there's no interesting games. We have a bunch of interesting games. They're bowl games. They're not playoff games. You're mad because they don't have the title playoff game before them. But the bowl games are not bad. And we do not need to expand the playoff. Not surprising. The number one and the number two team in the nation are going to play each other in the national championship. Clemson and Alabama. They're the clearly they're clearly the two best teams. And I don't know. It's interesting. Like they went undefeated. They won their conferences. And in case that wasn't enough for you. So we, we like the verification process. So they went undefeated. They won their conference. And then just to make sure they're actually the two best teams as a courtesy, we made them play Oklahoma and Notre Dame like a two-step verification process. Guys, <laughs> they're the two best teams. We, we, I, I, don't know, I don't know why we want to add more to this. And another thing people keep telling me is that, you know, we had two boring games, Alabama, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Clemson, boring games, and now the national championship is going to be incredibly boring. Why is Alabama, Clemson boring? I think a really close game that comes down to the end, maybe the final possession, that's not boring at all. That sounds like a great game. I don't know. I completely disagree with those people. It's weird to me. I think it's going to be close and fun. I don't know. And, and what we learned from Alabama's former games is that, you know, Oklahoma put up some points. Georgia challenged them. Alabama's defense is not perfect. If you run the right scheme, you can find weaknesses in Alabama's defense. You can put up points. Alabama Clemson's a very interesting matchup, one I can't wait to watch. I love Clemson's quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. He has a really good deep ball, not the best deep ball. And it's his arms, here's what I mean. Trevor Lawrence's arm strength is not what excites me. He has really good arm strength, but his ball location downfield, right perfectly over the shoulder and over the top of a linebacker before the safety, the location where Trevor Lawrence throws the ball down the field is incredible. His ball placement, his location is fantastic. And so I don't know. We had two boring games and it would have been more boring games if we added four more teams to the equation. I don't want that. Alabama Clemson were clearly the two best teams. I think a four-team playoff is plenty. You, you go all season, you win your conference, and then you play another game just in case you're not actually the two best teams. Fine with me. Why do we need to give eight teams a chance? I, I don't, I just don't, I don't, I'm good. I like four teams. I think it's drama. I think it's fun. And I like the fact that one power five conference, maybe two sometimes get left out. Because then there's more debate, there's more drama. I think drama is good for the sport. I do not want the college football playoff to expand. I'm not a fan of it. It's not what I want. And uh, I really, I like how things worked out this year. Alabama, Clemson are the two best teams. 
and people need to stop complaining about boring games. You realize if you add eight teams, if you add four more teams, Central Florida, Alabama's a boring game, and then Oklahoma, Alabama's another boring game. And Notre Dame, Clemson was boring, but if you play it, make Clemson play Michigan first, that's it. You're just adding another boring game. I don't want boring games. I want games that are interesting. Bowl games are fun. Bowl games are interesting. LSU and Central Florida, great game. Georgia, Texas, great game. Stop complaining about boring games. We do not need an eight-team college football playoff. I like the system how it is. One more thing. Oh, man. A lot of people keep telling me all this all season. People keep saying this phrase to me. People keep telling me this one phrase, and it irritates me so much. People say, quarterbacks are overrated. Quarterbacks get too much credit. Please stop. Please never Ever say that again to me. It is so annoying. I watched the Cheez-It Bowl the other night. TCU and Cal. Nine interceptions between the two teams combined. It was 10 to 7. It took overtime to get to the end of the game. It was awful. It was ugly. It was miserable. It was one of the most abysmal games I have ever watched in my life. I do not want to watch bad quarterback play. Stop telling me quarterbacks are overrated and get too much credit. You know what was a great bowl game? Iowa State, Washington State. You had two really good quarterbacks. It was fun because the quarterbacks didn't suck. Please stop telling me that quarterbacks are overrated. What good quarterbacks do is make football interesting and fun. Just don't ever tell me quarterbacks are overrated. It's the most annoying thing that people consistently tell me about football. And to further my argument just a little bit, I want to make a point about, let's move from college to the NFL. Numerous NFL coaches were fired today. You know, the Broncos fired their head coach, Vance Joseph. Who was Vance Joseph's quarterback? Oh, Case Keenum. He didn't have a great quarterback. He got fired. How about uh, the Dolphins fired their head coach, Adam Gase? Yeah, his two quarterbacks this year were Ryan Tannehill and Brock Osweiler. He had a rotating cast. Bad quarterbacks, coach fired. The Bengals head coach, Marvin Lewis, got fired. His quarterback, not a great quarterback, Andy Dalton. Dirk Crutter in Tampa Bay had Jameis Winston. Steve Wilkes of the Cardinals, Todd Bowles of the Jets. They both had rookie quarterbacks. What's the consistent trend here? If you don't have a quarterback, you're going to get fired. Do not tell me quarterbacks are overvalued. They're not. You can't win without them. You need them. And they make football interesting and entertaining. Football's worth watching when you have good quarterbacks. I am so, so tired of that argument that they're overrated. I mean, look, Adam Gase is a good coach. The Miami Dolphins head coach that just got fired was a good head coach that never had a truly great starting quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't win, and you get fired. Now, here's what I will agree with. Quarterbacks are overrated. I think that's ridiculous. But we do overpay quarterbacks. Quarterbacks make too much money, and there's a real problem right now that when you pay a quarterback too much money, it cripples your franchise. You can't build a good roster because you can't pay enough people. I don't, I don't fault quarterbacks for taking as much money as humanly possible. If someone offered me $30 million, I'm not going to go, ah, I'd rather make 11 because it's good for my team. Like, I don't know how I would handle that situation. Thank God no one's ever going to offer me $30 million to be an NFL quarterback. But we see a trend today. There are six quarterbacks, the six highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, and none of them made the NFL playoffs. Aaron Rodgers makes $33.5 million. Eh, Packers didn't make the playoffs. Matt Ryan makes $30 million a year. Eh, no playoffs. Kirk Cousins, $28 million, no playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo, $27.5 million. He got hurt. I don't think he would have made the playoffs anyways. Matthew Stafford, $27 million. The Lions are not in the playoffs. And finally, Derek Carr, $25 million. 
they're not making the playoffs. The six highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL have bad rosters and did not make the playoffs. Again, I'll never be offered $30 million in my life. And for that, I am so glad because it would be such a conflicting offer for me to deal with. I would call my dad and be like, dad, what do I do? Because it's $30 million. You can't say, if you're the quarterback offered $30 million, you can't say no. But you understand that by accepting a $30 million contract to play quarterback, you're crippling the rest of your team, meaning you can't sign other good players to play with. It makes winning way harder. It's a weird issue in the NFL right now where you can't win without a quarterback. But if you pay a quarterback too much, you also can't win. So you win. You can't win without one. But if you pay him too much, you can't win. It's a mess. I don't know how to deal with it. Um, I do know this. I would much rather pay my franchise quarterback $15 million and build a good roster around him like a Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes makes far less than $20 million. It makes, I don't know what Patrick Mahomes makes. But because Patrick Mahomes is not making a ton of money, the Chiefs can have a great roster around him. I'd rather pay my franchise quarterback 10 to $15 million than 25 to $30 million and be able to build a good roster around my quarterback. So, I don't know. It's a mess. Uh, it's not, not a great thing. So, I don't think quarterbacks are overrated at all, but you definitely want to be careful. Do not overpay your quarterback because then you do not have the ability to build a good roster around them. Although, if I did decide, here's, here's maybe for the be the devil's advocate. If I had to either let, if, so example, if I had Aaron Rodgers was my starting quarterback, if my thing was either let him walk away and not pay him and, and find a new quarterback that sucked or have Aaron Rodgers and we're still going to suck, but at least we have Aaron Rodgers. I'd rather pay Aaron Rodgers and have Aaron Rodgers because at least you're interesting with Aaron Rodgers. You may not win games. You're not going to make the playoffs, but I'd rather overpay Aaron Rodgers than let Aaron Rodgers walk away. So it's a very weird dynamic in the NFL right now. Um, again, it's just this sentence is so weird. You can't win without a quarterback, but if you overpay a quarterback, you still can't win. Uh, we have a great show today. I'm really proud. This is now how we transition. That's my probably worst thing. I feel really good about this show today. We're going to talk about, I'm going to eat some crow. What that means is I'm going to admit some things I've been wrong about this year. There are six things in the NFL 2018 regular season. I just got completely wrong. We'll talk about those. We're going to talk about Pat McAfee. I'm going to tell you guys why I would sign Nick Foles. We'll talk about the 49ers backup quarterback, Nick Mullins. we got a lot of good stuff coming up. I am very, very excited. Um, i got to say something first. There's an issue that I need to address because my, my goal, my, uh, my brand, my, my commitment to you guys is total honesty. I really try to be completely transparent, tell you exactly what's going on in my head and my struggles. And I I just got to say, I burned out last week. I didn't do a podcast. I also didn't want to do a podcast. And that was, it it scared me because that's the first time since I started Strong Opinion Sports, I just wasn't interested at all. And it really freaked me out. And I kind of came to the conclusion that I just was burned out and tired and dead. I needed some space to get away from it. You know, I felt really overwhelmed. I got a lot of life changes coming. I left my college. I quit my jobs. And I'm, I'm kind of in a transitional phase. I got a, actually got a letter from my next stop today. I can't share it yet, but I'm waiting till it's all official. I don't want to put myself out there and then be like, oh, never mind. Can't do it. So I'm, I'm going to make sure until it's, until it's 100% completely going through, I'm not going to announce it yet. But I got something cool on the horizon that's stressful and incredible and uh, really cool. But all that stuff and all this change has really wiped me out. And so I took a break, hung out with my family, hung out with my friends, got some drinks, and 
Uh, I just I just wanted to explain that why where I've been, why I took took a week off of the show. I just needed a break. I can't, I'm back now. I feel energized. I feel great, um, and I have a lot of really good stuff to talk about. So I want to transition into that because I um, it's been a great last couple of weeks of sports, and the way the NFL regular season ended was a lot of fun for me, and I got a lot of fun insights and things to share. Um, first of all, I, I guess I need water first of all, but there's, there's something that happened this weekend <clears throat> that really, really excited me. So I, I believe we saw something really, really special in week 17 of the NFL season. Pat McAfee did an official broadcast for Fox Sports commenting on football. He did an NFL game. He's a former Colts punter. Uh, he's also, you know, after retiring from football, he did a stand-up special. He hosts his own show, a podcast called The Pat McAfee Show. I've never listened to it. I've listened to clips. He's really funny talking about Adam Vinatieri. Um, but I want to play a clip so you can just understand. This is a Pat McAfee, a podcast host, doing a professional television broadcast. Take a listen. It's fantastic. Well, that'll bring on Matt Prater for a 20. Oh, oh trick play. Let's go. open. Levine Toilaro. Let's go. Prater with a touchdown pass. Matt Prater has the NFL's longest field goal. He's a man who's a legend. And here in Lambeau in December, gives a cadence with a leg lift like Peyton Manning, no laces, and delivers a dime in the corner of the end zone for a 13, about to be 14-0 lead in Green Bay, Wisconsin. What a beautiful moment for the Braves. Adjust himself, calculate it. Nice short step like Peyton Manning says on the lead. That was fun. I mean, that's, I want more of that. I love that. You know, I've seen the way video games are covered and they, the way that people in that space blend professionalism and creativity and en- entertainment and fun. And uh, sometimes, you know, for me, the games world gets too fun and too silly. But on the flip side, sometimes professional sports take themselves a little bit too seriously. And it's, it's clear that people are still learning how to blend entertainment and fun with professionalism. But I thought what Pat McAfee did on Sunday was fantastic. If you go watch on YouTube, you can watch Kind of Funner Reacts to Sony's E3 press conference. That's a great example of people who have a conversational style. It's conversational and fun, but they keep it professional and they do a great job. And I really wish that we could see more of that in sports. You know, years ago, Dennis Miller, a comedian, did Monday Night Football in about 2001. And uh, he's a great comedian, but many people did not like that style because... He's not a football expert. He's Dennis Miller, the comedian, not Dennis Miller, the former NFL player, not the guy who has insight on football. Well, Pat McAfee is both a football expert and an entertainer. He's, he's a comedian. He's fantastic. And so he can offer, Pat McAfee can offer very insightful analysis, but also have fun, be entertaining, be far more entertaining than Jason Witten or Tony Romo. As much as I love Tony Romo, Pat McAfee, that's my favorite analyst I've seen all year. It's fantastic. You can make jokes. You can have a bit of a personality. And I really hope that's the future of sports broadcasting is not only the professionalism, the seriousness, the breakdown of game film, the great analysis, but also some fun and some conversational stuff. And I just, 
I really hope that I don't know that we're going to see more of Pat McAfee because he's such an anomaly. There's not a lot of personalities like Pat McAfee, but if we could see a trend towards blending professionalism and fun in sports broadcasting, I would be so, so happy. Um, I want to now shift gears to in a backup quarterback. Let's talk about Nick Mullins, the 49ers quarterback. So Nick Mullins is a Nick Mullins is a 49ers. He's the 49ers backup quarterback. And uh, Nick Mullins is perfect for that role. He's perfect to come off the bench. I would not build my franchise around Nick Mullins. But, but I love him, and I would want Nick Mullins on my team. I do. I'd want him to be a part of the franchise I root for as the backup quarterback. Now, Mick, Nick Mullins has had some success this year. He had 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, a 64% completion percentage. And uh, it's been pretty cool. You know, he started the season as a third-string quarterback. When Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, he got bumped up. Then C.J. Beathard got hurt, and Nick Mullins came in, became the starting quarterback for the rest of the year, and held on to it even when C.J. Beathard got healthy. So, testament and to testament to Nick Mullins, he did a great job in his eight games he started. Again, 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, a 64% completion percentage. That's solid. That's a really solid season. But this also brought questions. Nick Mullins' level of success made people wonder, should the 49ers trade him away? Could Nick Mullins be a starting quarterback for another franchise? It made us all ask the question, which pilot does he belong in? Is he a starting quarterback or a backup quarterback? Which title does Nick Mullins deserve? Now, before you say that Nick Mullins is a starting quarterback, that's what I've gotten the most from is people saying, Nick Mullins should be traded. The Dolphins, the Jaguars, teams could use him. He could become their starting quarterback. Everybody slow down. First of all, remember the past. We're going to talk about the past, what's happened with backup quarterbacks. And I wanted to find what a backup quarterback should do. So Nick Mullins has had some really good games. But that's what a backup quarterback should do. Good backups do two things. They... Help the starter prepare when they're not the starting quarterback, when they're off the field, in the film room, in whatever. Backup quarterbacks serve and are selfless and really help the starting quarterback. Backup quarterbacks are also ready to go when they get their chance. And they should come in and not be completely inept. A backup quarterback that comes in and does well is simply doing his job. That's what a backup quarterback is supposed to do. You come in, you steer the ship, you keep it going in the right direction until the guy can come in and take over and take us to new heights. It's weird. Backup quarterbacks are not expected to come in and be complete trash. But any time a backup quarterback has a mild level of success, we do something so weird in this this sport, in this country, whatever. We go, oh my gosh, that backup quarterback didn't suck. He should be a starter. Remember, Matt Flynn had one good game for the Green Bay Packers. And the Seattle Seahawks gave him a $15 million contract. A little bit of success does not automatically make you a starting franchise quarterback. In fact, all it shows, if you come off the bench and have a good couple games, it just shows that you're a really good backup. You did the job. Congratulations. I don't know. If I'm a general manager, I feel like, you know, my if our, if our starting quarterback gets hurt, we have Nick Mullins. He can come off the bench and do a couple good things and keep the season rolling. That way, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt or whoever your starting quarterback is, your season doesn't completely go in the tank. That is what a backup quarterback's job is. If you look at the way Nick Mullins has played and look at his success, 
His success does not indicate someone who is a franchise quarterback. Nick Mullins is 3-5 and five as a starter. And the types of passes he throws, let's be honest, he's throwing the ball underneath a lot. A lot of short passes, a lot of quick passes. He's not throwing the ball deep downfield. He's not really executing on going all the way through his progression to his third and fourth reads. He's usually throwing to the first read he's given by Kyle Shanahan's offense. But Nick Mullins is executing Kyle Shanahan's offense really, really well. I don't want to under I don't want to understate that. He's executing at a high level. In fact, right now I think he's played better than Jimmy Garoppolo did all year. I know that's controversial, but Jimmy Garoppolo held on to the ball too long, made a lot of mistakes. I might even take Nick Mullins over Jimmy Garoppolo right now. That does not mean Nick Mullins is a franchise quarterback. It just means that we're kind of concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo. The way that Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach's offense, operates is it steals a lot of passes underneath. You steal a lot of yards. You throw to, you read your first read, you throw the slant. And if it's not there, it doesn't matter because it's usually open. Nick Mullins doesn't have to worry about it. A website called playerprofiles.com tracks how often a quarterback throws a pass over 20 yards. Any pass over 20 yards, according to playerprofiles.com, is considered a deep ball. Well, two weeks ago, before playing the Bears and the Rams, Nick Mullins was averaging one deep ball a game. And at the same time, the rest of the NFL was averaging four or five. Baker Mayfield was averaging 5.6 deep balls per game. Tom Brady was throwing the ball over 20 yards over four times a game. Nick Mullins was at one. Now, in the last two weeks, Nick Mullins' average has gone up from one to two and a half. But... We learned a lot from that. He started throwing the ball downfield a little bit more. And we saw some flaws in Nick Mullins' game and some some problems. His arm strength isn't great. He's got limited ability downfield. Look, he had some like he had like four nice passes against the Bears. But as Nick Mullins threw the ball downfield more often, the Rams really exploited that in week 17. He Nick Mullins had three uh, interceptions and he did not look great. He looked kind of like a weak arm, limited quarterback. Because that's exactly what Nick Mullins is. Personally, I love Nick Mullins. He's a fantastic quarterback. He's a great guy. He's a good story. I would want Nick Mullins on my team. Because he's fantastic coming off the bench. Nick Mullins is a backup quarterback. Love him. But his arm strength is pretty limiting. And I would not want to build my team, my franchise, around Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins is a backup quarterback. And in the role of a backup quarterback, he's doing exactly what he should be. He's fantastic as a backup. Nothing more, nothing less. Okay, let's let's move from one backup quarterback to another. Yeah, pseudo backup. We'll talk about it. Let's let's talk about Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh... He's a quarterback for the Eagles because Carson Wentz is the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback. Last season, Carson Wentz got hurt. Nick Foles came in and led the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. It's incredible. Great story. Really fun. And this season, once again, Carson Wentz got hurt. And once again, Nick Foles led the Eagles to the playoffs. That remains to be seen. I don't know what's going to happen to the Eagles. But what we do know is that Nick Foles is going to be a free agent this offseason. And the question becomes, would you sign Nick Foles to your roster? Do teams want Nick Foles? Should teams want Nick Foles? 
And the quick answer is yes, you want Nick Foles on your roster. But there's more to it than that. Uh, I am skeptical of Nick Foles as a franchise quarterback. I don't know that Nick Foles is... I don't know that Nick Foles' success in Philadelphia can be duplicated on other teams. He's great coming off the bench, uh, but that he kind of toes the line between a starter and a backup, Nick Foles does. And Philadelphia, remember, he has a great offensive line. He's got really good coaching and a lot of really, really great players around him. With another team, he may not have those advantages. And it's very possible Nick Foles would not be as good as he is in Philadelphia because he does not have the coaching, the players, the offensive line. All those factors matter, and that's part of why Nick Foles is doing so well. But I would absolutely sign Nick Foles. If I was a franchise looking for a quarterback, yes, I would go after Nick Foles. And in fact, I would sign Nick Foles. But here's what I would do. I would sign Nick Foles, and I would draft a rookie quarterback in the NFL draft. Especially, honestly, let's flip it around. If I was a team... Getting ready to draft a young quarterback, I would want to bring in Nick Foles to my roster. That way, if your quarterback isn't ready to go week one of next year's NFL season, you can put out Nick Foles. He's probably going to play a little better than a rookie quarterback. He's kind of on the edge of a starter backup. He could probably play well. And if it goes really terribly and Nick Foles doesn't play and you got to go to the rookie quarterback, here's why you want Nick Foles on your team. Nick Foles is selfless. He doesn't really seem to care about... His personal success, he wants to help the team do better. He'll help the starting quarterback. If you have, see, Jarrett Stidham, a quarterback from Auburn. Here's here's a just, I'm laying out a scenario. Don't take it too seriously. I'm just laying out a possible scenario. Let's say the Dolphins draft Jarrett Stidham and bring in Nick Foles. Nick Foles comes in, he's okay, but they got to put in Jarrett Stidham. Nick Foles is going to really do everything he can to help Jarrett Stidham succeed. In the film room, off the field, giving this guy an understanding of how to be a professional quarterback. Jared Goff, sorry, Nick Foles, I said Jared Goff, Nick Foles is selfless. He doesn't care. He just wants to help his team win. And so that is why Foles is a valuable player to any NFL roster, but especially a roster looking to draft a young rookie quarterback. He's got some ability. He can help any young quarterback. And so if I was drafting a quarterback, I would go out, and I would sign Nick Foles for whatever he wants. Give him some money, sign a rookie quarterback, and that will help your team develop and get ready for the next couple years as a franchise. Um, guys, that's, that's most of what I have today. I have six more things I want to talk about, and uh, they are all... Oh, man, it's, uh, it's time for me to face my shortcomings, basically. These are six things I was wrong about in the 2018 NFL season. I made a lot of predictions this year. I I really did nail a lot of them. I got the I really nailed the Saints. If you go look at my Saints season prediction, completely right top to bottom, I nailed it. Um, but I did make six really terrible predictions. I gotta just deal with now. I don't run away from my mistakes. I I own them. I leave them up. It like for example, I made a really dumb video called. The Seahawks will not make the playoffs in 2018. Well, here we are. They're in the playoffs. And I leave that video up. I'm not going to run from what I said. I said it. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. But this segment now is me talking about six things I said that were just completely idiotic and kind of wrong in the 2018 NFL season. The first thing I want to talk about, I was pretty hopeful and I was pretty 
sure early into the 2018 season that the Miami Dolphins were going to make the playoffs. But man, was I wrong. The Dolphins started the season 3-0. They play, were playing solid defense. And then in week four, they played the New England Patriots. They ran into a wall. They lost 38-7. to And uh, I didn't lose hope, though. I said, okay, well, they're okay. They're, they got a good head coach. I think this is the year Ryan Tannehill breaks out. And, uh, however, by week six, Ryan Tannehill was hurt again. Kind of a consistent theme in his career. And Brock Osweiler became the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback for a couple weeks. And uh, now looking back, now that the season is over. So weeks later, the regular season is now over. The Miami Dolphins have fired their head coach, Adam Gase. It's, it looks like they're going to release their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. And uh, the Dolphins finished the year with seven wins and nine losses. So not only was I completely wrong on the Dolphins making the playoffs, um, but what we learned is that Ryan Tannehill just didn't work out. He never was able to stay healthy throughout his career. And frankly, he's always left a lot to be desired on the field. He had 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions this year at a 64% completion percentage. But in the NFL now, 64% completion percentage, everybody has that. Nick Mullins, the 49ers backup quarterback, has that. He also only played in 11 games. And so it's pretty clear to me the Dolphins are going into rebuilding mode. Now, here's what I do believe about the Dolphins. I think they should have kept their head coach, Adam Gase. Uh, I think they should have kept Adam Gase and just only moved on from Ryan Tannehill. But I understand they want to just completely rebuild, find you, whatever you want. Um, but I want to remind you guys of one thing the Dolphins did in April. The Dolphins had a chance to move up in the NFL draft and go get a quarterback. And they didn't do it. They didn't go up, move up for Josh Allen. They didn't try to, they were really close. They almost, they could have had Josh Rose and the Cardinals starting quarterback. And the Miami Dolphins said, no, we like Ryan Tannehill. We'll commit to him. And uh, it didn't work. Ryan Tannehill, sorry, he didn't pan out for the Dolphins. And so that's why the Dolphins are kind of in disarray. They're kind of in a mess. And that's why I was wrong about the Dolphins is Ryan Tannehill simply is not the guy in Miami. Oh, God, this one's hard to own up to. Uh, oh, it's embarrassing. It's really, really embarrassing. <laughs> I made a video the minute that the Cleveland Browns drafted Baker Mayfield laughing at the Browns. Just laugh. I was like, ah, it's ridiculous. I thought at the time that the Browns should have drafted Sam Darnold. And I could not have been more wrong. Idiotic for me to think that. Uh, Baker Mayfield is not only absolutely the best quarterback in the 2017 NFL draft, 2018 NFL draft. Baker Mayfield was the right person to revive the Cleveland Browns. Yes, Baker Mayfield played fantastic. He set a rookie record for touchdown passes. And by the way, he didn't even start the whole year. It could have been more if he'd played all year. Um, but Baker Mayfield's more than just his ability on the field. Baker Mayfield's leadership, the way he carries himself, is perfect for the Cleveland Browns. That's why Baker Mayfield was the right pick. And it's really funny. If you go back to early in 2018, if you go back, look at April, the draft process was going on, and uh, everybody wondered about Baker Mayfield's size and Baker Mayfield's arm strength. And this year, Baker Mayfield proved neither of those are a concern. He's a leader. He's a great quarterback. And by far, Baker Mayfield was the most prepared for the moment to be an NFL starter. 
I don't know if Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, I think they're all going to kind of pan out to be solid quarterbacks, but time's going to tell. But it's very clear that Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback by far from the 2018 NFL draft class. Baker Mayfield is the best rookie quarterback, and the Browns 100% made the right decision by drafting Baker Mayfield with the number one overall pick. I feel confident with that, and I do not think in 10 years from now when I look back, I'm going to regret saying that at all. Baker Mayfield, his attitude, his style of play, his arm strength, everything, he's fantastic, and I really um, applaud John Dorsey for going against the grain. I mean, if you go back to... If you, in case you forgot, go back to April, people did not consider Baker Mayfield to be considered possibly the number one overall pick. Everyone said Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. And kind of out of left field, the Browns said, we're going to do our own thing and we're going to draft Baker Mayfield. And lo and behold, they did the right thing. And I just want to really applaud them for not worrying about any of the outside noise, not caring what anyone thought. They took the guy they thought was best and it worked out for them. And I'm so happy for the Cleveland Browns. Um, I do a prediction show before every single NFL season. And in my prediction show this week, I was completely wrong about the entire NFC North. Just the Vikings, the Packers, the Bears, Khalil Mack, all of it. I was just completely dead wrong way off. Pretty funny. I really believe that the Packers were going to win the NFC North. I thought the Packers would win the division. I thought the Vikings would make the playoffs as a wild card team. And in the preseason, I really didn't buy the Chicago Bears at all. It's like they have Mitch Trubisky, this you know quarterback who struggled last year. He's not going to do well. And then the Bears signed for Khalil Mack. And I was like, you overpaid for some really expensive defensive end. He's not going to make a difference. And um <clears throat> well Your boy Zach is wrong. I I just got it completely wrong. The Bears not only won the NFC North and made the playoffs, um, but the Packers and the Vikings did not make the playoffs. The Packers had a really disappointing season. So did the Vikings. And just mad respect to the Bears. They they were fantastic this year. Khalil Mack, that trade indeed was the right move and a great move. Had a big impact on the Chicago Bears season. The Bears had a really, really good defense. And Khalil Mack elevated them, put them over the top, and kind of brought back that moniker of Monsters of the Midway where you don't want to play the Bears. They will hit you in the mouth. They'll play great defense. And they are led by their fearless leader, Khalil Mack. Man, um, (laughs) credit to the Bears. Credit to the Bears. Khalil Mack was a great trade. And Mitchell Trubisky had a solid year. He he had 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, a 66% completion percentage. Trubisky also ran for 421 yards and three touchdowns. Basically, the only thing I got right about the NFC North this year was that the Lions sucked. Like, yeah, the Lions, yeah, sorry, Lions, but you guys went six and 10. Um, And even weirdly, I expected the Vikings to struggle. When the Vikings added Kirk Cousins, I said, whoa, 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 slow down. First of all, it's Kirk Cousins. But second of all, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Give them a year to figure it out. Well, they fired their offensive coordinator, John DiFilippo. And Kirk Cousins kind of underwhelmed. I saw a stat today. He's like, he was one in six against teams with a winning record. Something like that. I don't have my phone to look it up. But I, I expected, everyone said, the Vikings are a Super Bowl team. And I said, slow down. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think the Vikings were a wild card team. And everyone was way wrong. I was just a little bit wrong about the Vikings. But the Vikings were far worse than I expected. They went eight, seven, and one. 
didn't even make the playoffs. And at the end of the day, I just was entirely, completely wrong about the NFC North. <clears throat> okay. Um, I expected the Ravens to be good. I said the Ravens would go 9-7. and seven. I said the Ravens could potentially steal the AFC North. And oddly enough, yeah, the Ravens went 10-6, and six, and they won the AFC North. They stole the division. They won the division. The Steelers missed the playoffs. But it did not happen at all the way I expected. This is why I was wrong about the Ravens. The Ravens did what I said they would. But I did not expect it would go the way it did. I, I believe that the Ravens drafting Lamar Jackson was going to light a fire underneath Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was going to have a great year, prove everybody wrong, and be their starting quarterback. I thought Joe Flacco might have potentially a great season. And boy, <laughs> was I wrong. I, I did not get that right at all. Lamar Jackson, in fact, a rookie, became the Ravens starting quarterback and he's not only been fun to watch, he's been winning games. The Ravens look fantastic. They made the playoffs. They clinched the AFC North and beat this, you know, knocked the Steelers out of playoff contention. And watch, I mean, watch week 17, the Browns and the Ravens. Lamar Jackson runs like he does in college. I did not expect, I thought Lamar Jackson was going to be a successful runner in the NFL. But I didn't expect him to be able to run. He looks like he's playing at Louisville again. Lamar Jackson's ability to run is, oh man, it's incredible. Now, I admit, I wish I was more excited about Lamar Jackson's ability to throw the ball. Right now, his legs are fantastic. I hope he can throw the ball, and I hope someday I'm as excited about throws as I do with his highlights running. But regardless, Lamar Jackson led the Ravens to the playoffs. He didn't just—it's he, he, it's awesome what he's doing. Um, I did not expect Lamar Jackson to lead the Ravens to the playoffs at all. And I expected really—if Lamar Jackson, I thought if he was going to play it all this year, it was because the Ravens' season was over— and they were eliminated, so let's throw in Lamar Jackson, get him some reps. That's not what happened. And Lamar Jackson led the charge for the Baltimore Ravens and led them to the playoffs. And so I just was completely wrong about how the Ravens season would play out. And I'm so happy for Lamar Jackson. I'm happy for Ravens fans. He's just such an embraceable star. It's hard to root against Lamar because he's such a good guy. And it seems like just a guy who's having fun, really humble, really uh, just seems like a cool person. And so... I really hope the Ravens and Lamar Jackson have continued success because it's just hard to root against people who have kind of a a light spirit like he does. Like you watch videos of Lamar Jackson talking, he just seems like a guy who has presence and like he'd be fun to drink a beer with. And so uh, I, I just wish nothing but the best for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Two left. Two things I was wrong about I want to talk about left. Um... My most embarrassing prediction of the 2018 season was that Ryan Fitzpatrick would keep up his success all year. I, After Ryan Fitzpatrick's first three games, he had 11 touchdowns. And I was like, "Woo, man, it's awesome. And, and I think really it was wishful thinking, but he was 35 years old, 36 now. And I said, well, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick has learned from all his mistakes in the past and maybe he can keep it up. Maybe he's figured out how to be a great NFL quarterback. And I not only do I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't necessarily learn from the past, I think I should have learned from the past. Ryan Fitzpatrick has always had moments of greatness throughout his entire career. Tremendous highs and tremendous lows. But uh, now looking back on the 2018 season, all year, Lamar, uh, sorry, 
Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick traded the starting quarterback job for the Buccaneers back and forth. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick finished the year with 17 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. He's a great backup. He, Ryan Fitzpatrick is great coming off the bench. He'll give you a few really good games, but you should not build your team around Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm pretty embarrassed that I, you know, that's one of my more embarrassing videos really of the entire year was I said, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to keep it up. And he'd not given any indication that he wouldn't necessarily. Um, but that idea of Fitz magic, that kind of moniker that was going on for the first month of the season, it died pretty quickly and pretty hard. And uh, that's one of the more cringy videos to look back on is go, oh man, I did say that, didn't I? I did say Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to keep it up and he clearly did not. Now, I try to own my mistakes. Uh, if I screw up, I admit it, right? I don't hide anything. I, I Rather than try to hide my mistakes, I try to own them and admit my faults. And I made a really boneheaded video earlier this year. It's called, The Seahawks Will Not Make the Playoffs in 2018. And uh, here we are. The regular season just ended. And the Seattle Seahawks did make the playoffs. But I will not delete the video, right? I don't, I don't operate that way. I make mistakes. I own them. I try to wear it like a badge of honor. Like, I screwed up, but hey, I'll talk about it. I will admit my fault, and I won't hide or shy away from those things. Um, but I want to talk about what happened to the Seahawks. Because before the season began, common belief was the Seattle Seahawks were in a rebuilding mode. People were talking about, are they rebuilding? The Seattle Seahawks kept denying, saying, we're not actually rebuilding. You know, have some faith. Um, but let's be honest, the Seattle Seahawks lost basically all of their key defensive players aside from Bobby Wagner. Earl Thomas was holding out and the Legion of Boom was gone. Michael Bennett moved on. Richard Sherman left to the rival 49ers. Cliff Avril retired. And the Seahawks lost. I mean, their offensive line was not great. It, it was not looking good for the Seattle Seahawks. And then the Seahawks started the season 0-2 and, and I was like, oh man. That loss to the Bears, do you remember that thing with Monday Night Football? The Bears, Russell Wilson was running for his life. And oddly enough, the Bears quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, didn't even play well, yet the Seahawks couldn't capitalize. But on the flip side, Russell Wilson, Seahawks quarterback, was sacked six times. It was ugly. There were memes coming out like, hey, uh, coach, I think we should change the offense. The one where everyone sacks me is not working very well. Um, I just, I don't know. It was, it was ugly at that point. In the Bears game, Russell Wilson was 22 for 36 passing, and the Seahawks only ran for 74 yards. And in my head, that's when I went, oh, this offense is not going to work. The offensive line isn't good enough. You can't throw the ball this many times. It's not working. And uh, that's when the Seahawks made an unexpected change. It took me a while to notice it, I'll be honest. Um, but the Seahawks started playing with six offensive linemen about 25% of the time. And the Seattle Seahawks committed to running the football. They completely changed their offense and completely changed their plan. And um, now the Seahawks have the number one rushing offense in the entire NFL. No team ran for more yards in 2018 than the Seattle Seahawks. As a team, the Seahawks ran for 2,560 yards, 2560. They started using more play action, which means that they used the running game to open up the passing game. And, uh, you know, Seattle Seahawks have the fewest pass attempts of any team in the NFL. They are 32 out of 32 teams. The fewest pass attempts by 10, 10 behind the Tennessee Titans. 
And uh, interestingly enough, they also are sixth in yards per attempt, which means that they ran the ball a lot, used play action, and threw the ball deep down the field. The Seahawks attacked the field deep. And uh, it's just the complete opposite approach that the Seahawks started the season with. After the second game of the year, they said, this isn't working, we need to make a change. And the new strategy worked for the Seahawks. The Seahawks went 10-6, and they did make the playoffs, despite everything I said. And uh, I was wrong. I just was wrong about it. And as a kid from Portland about to move to Seattle, I'm pretty happy I was wrong. I I love Russell Wilson, and uh, I don't know. Uh, It's cool to see what the Seahawks have done, the way they changed their entire system. And on the fly, figured out something that worked. Good for them, man. I'm really excited to watch the Cowboys and Seahawks week one of the NFL playoffs. And actually, I think the Seahawks have the advantage because you play two teams. The Seahawks and the Cowboys play a very similar style of football. And, you know, both have really heavy running games, solid defense. I think that the Cowboys have the edge on defense. But let's be honest, Russell Wilson is a far better quarterback than the Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott. And so uh, I would not be shocked at all. In fact, I kind of expect that Seattle Seahawks are going to win the game on Sunday in Dallas. And so um, I just I was wrong about the Seattle Seahawks. They made the playoffs. I look like an idiot, but I can own it, man. I'm totally fine with that. And I'm, I'm happy for the Seahawks. I hope Russell Wilson wins. And, uh, and it was just a fun year, a fun year in 2018 guys. That's my entire podcast. Thank you so much. I, uh, I just appreciate you guys. You know, I, I love doing the show. I, I took a break. I needed to, I was dying and, uh, I cannot, I'm so excited. I think before the week is over, I'll be able to announce my next move. You know, I left my college and I am moving on to something else, something really cool. And I can't talk about it yet. I am finalizing paperwork, but, um, Strong Opinion Sports will continue. It's my passion. It's my favorite thing in the world. And I just am so grateful for you guys for watching, for listening, however you ingest the show. Um, it's just thank you for letting me do my favorite thing in the world and uh, for paying attention to me at all. I mean, I I kind of come to this point where I don't really care who listens or how many people listen. I just enjoy doing it. And so, uh, you know, there's a, a John Bellion lyric. There's a great song. It's called Let's Begin by John Bellion. He talks about how he does it because... He loves it and does it because he's trying to get better every week, not because he's trying to get bigger. And I find that incredibly inspiring. I think if I just commit to making the best possible podcast that I can, the rest will work itself out. And so um, that's kind of what I, where I'm going in my life and what I'm doing. And I just really appreciate you guys listening at all. It means a lot to me. And I hope you guys have a fantastic New Year's. And uh, guys, that's it. I'll be back later this week. I'm aiming for Wednesday. If it's not Wednesday, it'll be Thursday or Friday. Uh, I got a couple topics I'm already mulling over, some you know, film breakdown of Jimmy Garoppolo and Tyree Jackson film I want to talk about, some some ideas that I'm kind of bouncing around, and got a topic about Derek Carr we'll talk about that'll be pretty cool, so good stuff is ahead. Uh, I did say, I did notice something that was announced earlier today. The 49ers and the Raiders are the two teams that we will be working at the Reese's Senior Bowl, that's really, really cool. I think it's a, here's, here's what it actually, I'll do a breakout. Here's what it does. So if you missed it, the 49ers and the Raiders are the two teams that will send their coaches to coach at the Reese's senior bowl. It's where a bunch of seniors that are entering the NFL draft go for sort of an all-star game. Here's why that's a big deal. Why that's really good for the Raiders and the 49ers. You get your first round draft pick. You will get to be around that person, hopefully, and it will really help you make a more calculated decision. When you pick, so look at the, who did it last year? The Broncos 
and the Browns. I think were the two, the Broncos and the Browns were the two teams that did the senior bowl last year. They nailed their first two picks. The Browns got Baker Mayfield and the Denver Broncos got Bradley Chubb. When you do the senior bowl, you get to be around a lot of players and you kind of get to pick your first pick at the senior bowl. You get to be around the guy you're eyeing and really make a more calculated decision. This does not help you in round six or seven in the NFL draft, but doing the senior bowl helps you make a better decision in the first round. And so I think the 49ers and the Raiders are going to nail both of their first round picks because doing the senior bowl allows you to be around more players, get an idea of what their character is like, literally get to coach them in football. If you're a 49ers or Raiders fan, you'll be very excited because it's more likely the Raiders and the 49ers will nail their first round pick. Another thing was announced today. The Raiders hired Mike Mayock to be their general manager. And I... My instant reaction is this. I really like Mike Mayock. Of all the people that do the NFL draft, I think Mel Kuyper's kind of ridiculous. I think the other guy's kind of an idiot. Mike Mayock does a really, really great job. He seems like a good man. And I, I've loved his coverage of the NFL draft the last couple of years. And I don't know if he's going to be a good NFL general manager. I have no idea. He's, he's in my opinion, Mike Mayock is a TV guy. It's weird. John Gruden, a TV guy, is now the Raiders head coach. And Mike Mayock, another TV guy, is the Raiders general manager. But I can guarantee you this. Mike Mayock is probably living his dream right now. Think about it. If you spend your entire life covering something, for example, I I cover sports and I, I, I love talking about quarterbacks and I would love to play quarterback again. Quarterback's my favorite thing in the world. And so to get a chance to do the thing, you, you talk about it a bunch and getting a chance to actually do it probably is the most meaningful thing Mike Mayock will do in years. And I bet he's ecstatic about to do his dream job. And so I don't know if he's going to succeed or not, but I bet he's really excited and I'm happy for Mike Mayock as a person, and I'm rooting for him to succeed because I really think it'd be cool if Mike Mayock came in, a TV personality, a guy who's covered the draft for years. If he went into the Raiders and did a great job and just nailed it and probably got to live his dream, it would make me so, so happy. So, um, man, I think the Raiders, the fact the Raiders and the 49ers are both doing the Senior Bowl, it's huge. It's more likely they will nail their first-round draft picks because of it. Doesn't again, it will not affect them in rounds two, three, four, and five because by then the guys you add your eye on are all gone and it's too hard to predict all that stuff. But your first round draft pick, you can get a pretty good idea of I want this guy and he probably won't be gone by the time I get there. And Mike Mayock, I don't know if he's going to be good for uh, general manager for the Raiders, but I am really, really excited for him, guys. Thank you so much. That has been my show, and I'll be back later in the week. But um, bam, we are done. Bye.